Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Experience with the whole shake on the structure about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports right here on 90.7 WXIN. I am alone here today, but that's all right, because we have a lot to talk about here. The Patriots, oh, the Patriots getting off to a beautiful, beautiful start of the season. The Red Sox also making a historic win total in the last few days. Obviously, I'm enthused about that. And also some news on really the best sports movie of all time. If you want to chime in on any of these topics or anything else you want to talk about, do not be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or 401-456-8787 or go to Facebook, go to the official Stadium Experience Facebook page and catch the Mike Kane Memorial live stream right there and give me a comment saying what you think. We have a new, I got my brand new laptop in today, so we're finally not using the uh, the six-year-old webcam there, so you can see me in, I don't want to call it HD, but it's something better than what I had. And, anywho though, with all that out of the way, you're listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN, and we are going to dive right in here. Now, obviously, the biggest news today, I, I guess this isn't really news, because this isn't something I didn't know was going to happen, this is something I knew would was eventually going to happen. But I guess this is the first time caught sight of something. And that was, of course, today. The second Creed 2 trailer came out. And for those of you out there who don't know, you know, my, my, real, the, my real fans, the real, the real season ticket holders, I love Rocky IV. Rocky IV is my favorite Rocky movie. By, by a mile. I don't know why. I'm not a nationalist, as I made very clear. I think the Soviets had a lot of good ideas, but for some reason, something about that movie, I just, oh, that movie resonates with me. And I wish, I wish my, my good friend, who's been with me the last few weeks, Jordan Moment, could be here right now, because he is just as enthused about this. But sadly, he's in the other room writing about poetry. Not writing poetry, writing about poetry. But, the new trailer came out, and I knew Dolph Lundgren was in this movie. I knew the premise of this movie, but to see, just to see Dolph Lundgren in that movie scowling, playing, playing the big dragon he once was. Ah, oh, man, did that, did that get me excited? Did I scream when I saw him? Yes. Am I excited for this movie? Yes. Am I considering just doing that instead of doing any Thanksgiving stuff? Because I hate Thanksgiving as a holiday. Yes. All of these things being considered, but did I write, did I write a story treatment for this exact movie three years ago. Yes. Do I think this is the only reasonable way you can go with a Creed sequel? Absolutely. So, yeah, it is a good time here right now. I am just so happy <laughs> to see that we're getting the Rocky IV sequel that I wanted. Of course, there, there have been two sequels since Rocky IV, but this one, a real continuation of the story. So, exciting to see that. That, exciting to see that. Anywho, though, to move on, because I didn't plan to talk about that. What we really need to talk about here today, obviously, has is been the story of the week. And obviously, being Wednesday, I get to be the last person to respond to things. Or the first person sometimes, as it is with the Creed 2 trailer. But the Patriots, obviously, losing Sunday, 26-10, to the Detroit Lions in what was, for the second week in a row, a very, very dull slog of an outing from the team. Another loss, obviously. This team barely ever loses two in a row, but obviously that itself, but just... People are quick 
to try to quell overreaction. It kind of feels like we've gotten beyond overreacting to things as just a sports city, as a group who consumes sports. It seems like we've gone beyond overreacting to now we're at this point where instead most people's first reaction to things is trying to convince people not to overreact to things. Which I feel like is actually taking the overreactors, which is fascinating, but obviously I'm not one to overreact to things. You all know that. I'm not one to get overly negative when things go a little awry, but this, I guess, also obviously everything's coming within the spectrum. I still think the team's going to be fine and make the playoffs. Which just, before I start, I want to throw that out there so now I don't need to feel like, you know, I keep needing to acknowledge it. But just put that out here. Obviously, I think the team's still going to make the playoffs. That being said, I guess my thoughts on this week, and now kind of my thoughts on this week acting as an extension, kind of a confirmation of my thoughts from last week. It's not just that they've lost. Because if... They can lose, and I can look at it and go, eh, they lost, sucks, but I still feel good about the team. But if you just watched these two games, just watch them, and none of the context, none of the context, really nothing about the team, the team's success, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the team's history, these were tough losses. The Patriots didn't look like they had, once again, for the second week in a row, they didn't look like they had any energy. They, on defense, they were just getting ransacked by LeGarrette Blount, of all people, and Carrion Johnson, who I did like coming out of college, but still. They just, there was no energy. There was no sense of urgency on offense or on defense. And we can really talk about both both sides of this because both are miserable. I think last week the offense at least was moderately equipped. But this week the offense just showed nothing along with the defense showing nothing. And there's some other news that's come out in the last few hours I want to get into that kind of plays into all this. But just to respond to the game itself. They showed nothing. Really, it's just... Is, I don't know where to start, because just everything was so wrong. Everything was so flat. Defensively, they were getting crushed in the run game. Trent, not Trent Brown, Malcolm Brown, Danny Shelton, they, could, they couldn't stop anything. They, they couldn't stop anything. Those two were just getting bowled over time and time again in the middle. And for one thing, this defensive scheme doesn't work if you can't stop somebody up the middle. If teams can just run it up the middle and go right through you, you're going to get killed. And last week I sat here and said, oh, I kind of wish L- Leonard Fournette did play against the Patriots because I feel at least the Patriots can stop a guy like that, can just stop a bruising back up the middle. Maybe I was wrong about that. Maybe the, maybe if Leonard Fournette played last week, the Patriots would have gotten killed more. Yeah, they, they traditionally they can't stop these little passing backs, and those guys scare me more, but maybe they can't stop these bigger backs either now. So there's something. The... Inability to do that. Then, in coverage, they j- they look. It's the team just felt. Listen, no energy, no sense of urgency, and then, like they had no idea where they were supposed to be. It seemed like they, like the Stefan Gilmore touchdown, it seemed like there was no safety help. 
seemed like it looked watching the film like Deron Harmon bit on something and just wasn't there. And those are the kind of mistakes you don't usually see from this team. Like this just doesn't the last two weeks they haven't felt like a team that's ready for the season. And of course, then you know once again the don't overreact, everything's fine crowd. Very quick to come out and say, oh, well, you know, the Patriots, they always use oh, the first month of the season to, uh, you know, iron out the kinks. It's fine. But <laughs> for one thing, that's not an excuse. And yes, they traditionally haven't looked as good in the first month of the season. They haven't looked this bad in the first month of the season. But yeah, fine. They haven't looked as good in September. But. That concept doesn't doesn't excuse it. Like, it's just, with all that, the way they looked on defense, then the way they looked on offense, which can the, can this at least be the end of the, oh, well, who cares if they don't have any wide receivers because they have good tight ends and running backs to catch balls crowd. Can this be the end of that at the very least? Can it? I'd like it to be. I don't know if it will be, but I'd like it to be. Because, yes, they have Gronk. Yes. He is one of the top receiving threats overall in the NFL. And maybe all time. But, you know, people will have Gronk and he'll draw a lot of coverage. Which is true. He's getting double teamed all the time. But then to that end, after that, they don't have anybody. They don't have anybody who can get open right now. And maybe they won't. Maybe they won't the rest of the year. If the roster continues. I mean, you look at it. Chris Hogan can't get open by himself. Chris Hogan thrives as a third or fourth receiver when people just seemingly just, just don't remember he's there. Just don't know why that happens, but it happens. But hey, when he's your number one receiver, teams are at the very least going to remember he exists. And guess what? When that happens, not getting covered too. He's getting covered. Can't really break the coverage. Dorsett. Who all offseason? All we heard. Dorsett, Dorsett, Dorsett. Good first week. Since then, it's like back to basics with him. It's like just back to... Brady bombing deep balls to him for no ill, 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 ill-advised deep balls or nothing happening and him just sitting there and just taking it. And then their third and last receiver on the team, Cordell Patterson, who just, bah, who cares? Who cares about Cordell Patterson? Who really thought in their heart of hearts he was going to develop a new and actual weapon for this team. Cordell Patterson, who every single year on every team he's been on, be it the Vikings, be it the Raiders, and now make it the Patriots. Every offseason. Oh, Cordell Patterson, he's having a great camp. He's getting better. He can run more of the route tree now. Oh, man, won't Cordell Patterson be great? Then the season comes. The season goes along. And then, turns out, Cordell Patterson can do two things. He can run, well, two things on offense, not counting special teams, because he has special teams value. He can do two things. He can run really, really fast down the field, somehow knock it open, but hey, he's running pretty fast. You, you threw a tracker on that guy. Oh, man, he's moving fast in a straight line. Or you can hand him off the ball on gadget plays. That don't work. That never work. But hey, you can do it. It's cute. Do a little do a little reverse jet sweep. Give it to Cordale. See if he'll take it home. Loses two yards. Ah, well, maybe next time he'll do it. And that's it. Those are the two things that Cordale Patterson can do. 
So, so the Patriots have two receivers, basically, is what I'm saying. I, I'm eliminating Cordell Patterson from the receiver discussion because he plays two roles that I could conceivably fulfill. So, yeah, you can have the best tight end in the world, which they do. You can have a good passing back, which they do. But then, yeah, if the receivers can't do anything, guess what? Having a gaping hole at wide receiver will still affect your offense, no matter what else you have. No matter if you have good running backs, good tight ends, the best quarterback in the world and ever and ever in Tom Brady, which they do. He didn't have a good game either, but hey, everybody gets one. What do you do? And looking at the offense now, yeah, I don't know who to blame. I like, do I blame the play calling? Because play calling was terrible. We'll get into kind of the, um, I guess, the the nuance of why the play calling was terrible. That wasn't good. Brady didn't play well either. I mean, God, Brady, that interception, Bra the interception Brady threw might be the worst throw I've, the most inadvisable throw I've seen from Tom Brady in, since I was like in preschool. No, wait, I was in preschool pre-2001. Wait, was I? Since I was in, like, early elementary school. Since I was in early elementary school. I, 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 I'm not going to harp on it too much. It, it was a bad throw. Throwing a double coverage. Don't know what he's doing. But also, on the other hand, like I said, can't blame him too much because I, I don't know what else he's supposed to be doing at that point in the game. Doesn't make me a throw to. Gronk's just blanketed because that's a smart thing to do. Philip Dorsett can't break the coverage. Philip Dorsett dropped... My God, whoever was doing the game la last night, I mean Sunday night, I don't remember who it was, whoever was calling the game, like, oh, bad throw by Tom Brady on the throw that Dorsett dropped that was in his hands. So I don't know if it's that. So I don't know if I want to come down on Brady. Once again, or is it the play calling? Or is it just they have nobody who can get open? So, ah, what are you going to do? When you go against a team with half a defense, eh, what are you going to do? Nobody can get open, you just... Out of luck. And then, yeah, like, the receiving core is going to get reinforcements soon. Edelman, or some form of Edelman, is coming back two weeks from now. Has one more game left on that suspension, but then he's coming back. But I've been vocal about it. Edelman's been one of my favorite players in the NFL for the last couple of years. But I went to Edelman for Halloween two years ago. It was adorable. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. He's 32. He's coming off of a torn ACL and a steroid suspension. So he's not on steroids anymore. Coming off of a bum knee and he's entering his mid-30s as a slot receiver. Like I said, I don't know. I can't just pencil him in and say we're getting the same old Edelman. We're getting 90 catches and... Oh, we got like 75 catches and 800 yards. No problem. Put it in the bank. Money third down weapon. I can't say that. Like, I just... I can't say that point blank. Sorry. And then, yeah, they have Josh Gordon. But... What have I? What did I say about that last week? Like, you, you have to take anything you get from Josh Gordon. Anything at all from Josh Gordon. Who, I'm not blaming him. Because he's been struggling with addiction. Struggling with his own mental health. But 
you have to take anything you get from Josh Gordon as just a bonus. As yay for you. You're able to get Josh Gordon because you never know with this guy. You don't know when he's just going to go off into his own world. Be gone for it. Weeks and weeks, not ready for the playoffs. So you can't expect it. So, and I said that last week. The last thing I want to see come out of this Josh Gordon trade is the Patriots think they're set now because they have Josh Gordon and not make another move. And not make a move because they have Josh Gordon. If they don't make another move, fine. But I don't want them to not make, and I'll never know if that's why, because we'll never know. But I would hope I do, we don't find out that that would be the reason why they didn't make another move. So, and now because they lost this game, I don't think a Golden Tate trade is coming. I was hoping the Patriots are going to stomp them in this game. Lions going to be 0-3, then decide, okay, now's the time to move on from Golden Tate. But I don't think they can do that now. I, I don't think Patricia could ever, or that Bob Quinn, after the, you know, the first two weeks where it seemed like nobody was buying in, then they beat the Patriots, then go, okay, now we're going to punt on this year and trade one of our best players. Thanks. Sorry, guys. We're still not trying this year. Like, they can't do that. Like, they have to keep Dolden Tate at this point. I'd have to imagine. So, that's not coming. So, I don't know what the move is, but I'd like them to do something at that position because yeah, I hate to keep harping on it, but they mismanaged it. Could still have Amendola right now. They could. I was talking to Percy about Josh Percy before this. Like, think about it, they could have they got Brandon Cooks right now. I mean, God, I mean, I was no Brandon Cooks fan. Not a lot of us weren't, but and I liked the trade for the guy at the time. But they traded him for a first round pick that now turned into Isaiah Wynn, who doesn't have any Achilles. So they're getting nothing out of that pick. And right now, Brandon Cooks is tearing it up right now in L.A. So I, I just, I, I don't want to harp on them too much for a move I liked at the time, and I still like the move in a vacuum, but just, yeah. Like, I, I don't want to keep, I've said everything about it, but, yeah, like, the wide receiver group, I, what do they have there? Special teams look... Ah, special teams didn't even look good in this game. Yeah, special teams didn't look good either. Raw. But... And then the news today. News coming in the last few hours. I don't remember from whom, but the news coming on the Patriots that Rex Burkhead and Juwan Bentley, who has been their only draft pick they've gotten anything out of all season... Both of those two on IR now. Now, they could come back. They could. Maybe they will. I, they haven't disclosed what the injury is with Juwan Bentley. From everything I saw, and I'll refresh Twitter again just to be thorough, but Juwan Bentley's out, which is really crushing to me. Juwan Bentley's gone. Rex Burkett's gone, which that's less of it. I'll talk about that in a second. But Juwan Bentley, who, I, who all of us were excited for. I'm not saying he was my guy. 
Juwan Bentley's been my guy this whole time. No, I, I thought I was mad that that was the only thing they did at linebacker. But, yeah, going into the season, like, linebacker was a big scene. I was mad the only thing they spent on that was a couple of late-round picks. But Juwan Bentley might, might have been one of, might have been, like, their best one of their best defensive players. And I don't think that's hyperbolic to say. And before this game, or excuse me, before the show today, not before the game, this, this is not the game. This is business. This is business here. But the trying to think of their best defensive players, trying to think of their top three defensive players, which has been hard. I don't have anybody here with me right now. This game made us a little bit of a better conversation with the group. You know, we all list, but I don't have anybody. I don't know where Job is. Job is MIA. I don't know where he is. He's been taking days off. I don't I don't know. He gone dead. I don't know. I hope he's okay. I like Job. I miss Job. But Job's been gone. Jordan's not here right now. Percy's not here right now. I'm trying to rank the three best defensive players on this team. Jerome Bentley might be in that category. He's certainly been their best linebacker. Dante Hightower has been giving them nothing all year. Talked about that last week. I mean, yeah, then Van Noy and Alanda Robert channel thanks. So, yeah, Jawan Bentley's been their best linebacker all year. And then outside of him, like, you've gotten some good production out of Wise. Once again, I was talking to Josh Burst. He said Dietrich Wise might, be their be might, have, might have been their best defensive player all year. I'm not saying he is their best defensive player. He's not, but in terms of production... It might be Dietrich Wise. Dietrich Wise. I mean, why not? He's got two and a half sacks right now. Certainly hasn't been Adrian Claymore that they spent all that money on. He hasn't done anything. The D-tackles suck. Derek Rivers hasn't played yet. Yeah, good job, Jay, getting excited about Derek Rivers, you idiot. Trey Flowers has been good. Trey Flowers didn't play in the Lions game, but almost... I think just taking a neutral on that game is better than what any defensive player did for themselves in that game. In fairness. Like, I just don't think anybody... Nobody, nobody gained any points in my eyes in that game. So maybe... So not playing, eh, Then McCourty? Like I said, McCourty's always good, I'm told. Gilmore? Like, Jawan Bentley's up there. Like, Jawan Bentley at least stands out in my mind when I think a good player's on the defense right now. And now he's gone. And now the Patriots are officially getting... Nothing out of this year's draft class right now. And when I say nothing, I don't mean hyperbolic. Oh, they're getting, like, nothing. They're getting a little bit of production. I mean nothing. Like, I mean, like, pull out a Webster. Like, look at the definition of the word nothing. And that's what they're getting out of the draft class. Isaiah Wynn, in all his glory, as a guard, on IR. Sony Michelle. We'll talk about Sony Michelle in a second. Duke Dawson. Another second-round busted in the... Bleh. Another second-round bust defensive back for Bill Belichick so far. On IR right now. Juwan Bentley, on IR right now. Christian Sam, I don't know where he is. I can't figure it out on the internet. But guess what? He's not doing much. Braxton Berrios, IR. Danny Etling, practice squad, also sucks. Also was a prank. Crossin, actually played. Maybe he'll be good. I don't know. And then Ryan Izzo, who I was pretty into, not in the team anymore. So... Yeah, they're getting nothing out of the draft class right now. The only player in this draft class who's playing right now, besides, I guess, Crossin. And don't come out with your undrafted free agents because I don't want to hear it on them. 
is Sony Michelle. And Sony Michelle, who I don't know if it's through fault of his own, necess- fully fault of his own. I don't know. It could just be the way they're utilize- utilizing Sony Michelle. Because obviously, I think that draft pick was terrible. I think drafting a running back in the first three rounds, terrible. I think it's stupid. I hated the pick at the time. They could have Calvin Ridley right now. What did Calvin Ridley do yesterday? Oh, yeah, he had like 150 yards and four touchdowns. Wow, that would have been incredible for this team, but they don't have it. So I thought he looked decent against the Jaguars. I did. I thought he had some good powerful runs against the Lions. I think he had a good runner, too, but seemingly the way they used him. And more the use, if you look at the stats, Sonny Michelle touched the ball, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, and I should because I should be a professional, but I don't because I didn't prepare for the show enough. But nearly every time Sonny Michelle was on the, on the field, he touched the ball. Nearly every single snap, he was on the field. And nearly every one of his touches, every single one, nearly every one, was a run. Some sort of run. None of that dual threat ability. That I've been told he has, that I thought he had, because I love the play. I like the player. Like I, every time I talk about Sony Michelle, I crap on, I pile on the pick, and I hate the pick. I like the player. I like the player coming out of college. Just don't like where he's picked. That's a value. Everything's a matter of value to me. Every time he's on the field, run, 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 run. Oh, Sony Michelle's on the field. What's happening? He's probably gonna get the ball. What's he gonna do? Probably gonna run with it. No variation on that. We're getting back to the play calling. Then also, seemingly, the usage of Sony Michelle equals no James White. Who James White, if you're trying to rank their best, if you're trying to do the same thing I was doing on defense with the best offensive players, I don't even think it's close. James White has been their third best offensive player. Easily. Also on my fantasy bench. But also, probably their third best offensive player. You know, you go Brady, Gronk, and then after that, it's not Hogan. It's not Dorsett. I don't think any of the old linemen have really stood out to me too much. It's it's James White. And even when Edelman comes back, still might think James White until Edelman proves that he, you know, isn't old and steroidless. So. Just keeping James White up through is good. And then the way they use James White, by the way, almost the same splits as I was just explaining when it comes to... What's his face? Sony Michelle. Similar splits. Almost every time he was on the field, touched the ball. Almost every one of those touches was some kind was a reception. So Yeah, what are they what is again? What are they doing when James White's on the field? Throwing it. Who is it going to? James White. James White had four carries in this game. Four carries. So, like I said, the play calling, not great in this game. Uncreative. Not well done, but for Josh McDaniels, who they're paying nearly a head coach's salary right now. But I, I don't, like, I, when they don't have the personnel, I almost can't come down on Brady. I almost can't come down on McDaniels or Belichick in defense, by the way. This doesn't escape Belichick because Belichick can step in and change up the play calling at any time. Whenever I, you know, whenever I'm coming down in the coordinator, always remember Guess what? It's also always at least partially the head coach's fault because the head coach can just change what the coordinator's doing at any time if it's not working. And if they don't, they're not doing a good job. 
what I said about Dan Quinn. It's what I'm going to say about Bill Belichick. So that, the uncreative usage of the running backs, the lack of wide receivers, lack of defense, and now Juwan Bentley's on IR. Sonny Michelle is the only rookie that they're even using that's even playing right now, and they can't use him right. And I don't know, maybe he just sucks because obviously, like, this is his time. Like, he needs to do this now. Like, this is his, quote, preseason. Is at least how people are justifying it. That, oh, well, he didn't play in the regular season. I mean, he didn't play in the preseason, so we got to get him up to speed now. But to that, I get it. I kind of get it, like, using him a decent amount. So if you're trailing in a game against the Lions, and you're trying to stop, or at least you're trying not to start a losing streak, Maybe don't try to get, if th- that was the plan, maybe don't try to get the guy his reps wh- when you don't think he's going to you know, gonna get the most out of him now. Maybe save that to your up. Maybe save that for practice. Maybe just don't play him till he's ready. Like, it j- don't, my God, if that's what, don't be giving him carries in the second quarter when you can't get anything going offensively because, well, we need to get him some reps now. Then put James White out there. My God, James White, who I've spent years, years dismissing as average. He's a third-best offensive player now. So, that's where we are, people. Also, Rex Burkhead going on IR right now, so now, like, they're only two running backs. <laughs> we might be seeing Brandon Bolden carries soon. Now, Jeremy Hill's gone, and Rex Burkhead's gone. And they're getting left with less and less of that position. And they have nobody to throw to. So is it okay to say they just don't have any weapons now besides Gronk and James White? Oh, they have a lot to work on there. All right. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break here. You're listening to, once again, an hour-long edition of the Stadium Experience. A, a, half so, a half session here of the Stadium Experience. When we come back, we'll be previewing next week's game against the Dolphins. I want to talk about the Red Sox a little bit. And maybe see if anybody has any thoughts on that. Once again, if you want to talk about any of this stuff, don't be afraid to call in 401-456-9946 or 401-456-8787. We'll be back in just a minute. You are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Helmsley, and I will see you then. Psst. Hey, over here. What? Right here in the back. Where? Over by the fence. You? The bike? Yeah, the bike. Right in the grass where the kids left me a while ago. You know how lonely it is being left day after day, not being able to cruise the reservation? Pardon me? Remember when you got me for the kids? You told them, no, you kids go have fun, enjoy the outdoors, and be careful. Mm, yeah? I really miss it, especially when they put that playing card in my spokes, and I made a really cool sound the faster we went. Um... Well, could you get my tires a little air, dust off my seat, and remind the kids how fun I still am? Okay. (coughs) Oh, you are dusty. Yeah, and I may need a couple of bolts tightened, too. Now let's go. As Native American parents and caregivers, our encouragement to healthy lifestyles for our kids is helping them get outside and play. Get ideas. Get involved. Get going at letsmove.gov slash Indian Country. Brought to you by USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. I'm in almost every school bus and classroom. I go to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. You've seen me around the neighborhood, and you've told me I'm a pretty good kid. Well, I'm one out of every four children in America, 
and I'm struggling with hunger. This problem is closer than you think. My teacher tells me we could grow up and be whatever we want. I want to grow up and be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. There's enough food in this country to feed everyone. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for kids like me, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Okay, fellas, thanks for checking out our membership meeting for the unstoppable IOTA Gamma Kappa fraternity. Candidates will be notified around mid-semester. Peace, peace. Have a good day. Yo, can you believe that white boy showed up? Who, Justin? Yeah. I mean, he seems pretty cool. He's doing a lot of work in the community. He gets decent grades. Oh, yeah, I played ball with him the other day. Old boy got a mean crossover. Now, see, that's what I'm talking about. White people think that just because they can rap or hoop or something, they could be one of us. Now, what would happen if one of us went across campus and tried to join one of their fraternities? <laughs> Tell you what, it'll be a cold day and you know where before I let a white boy into this frat. You feel me? Nah, Trey. I don't feel you. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. If this radio spot were Nikki Baker's life, it would start pretty normal, like this. But, but then, then right, right around here, her life would take a bad turn with her mother abusing her. And about this far in, Nikki would drop out of high school and run away. Here, she'd be forced to work two jobs struggling to support herself and her daughter. She'd feel stuck, 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 stuck. But then she'd decide to earn her GED diploma. She'd take my prep classes. Study every night. And feel unstuck. Because she finally hears someone say, Nikki Baker, come up and get your GED diploma. If this radio spot were Nikki Baker's life, the ending wouldn't be the ending at all. It would be the beginning of a brighter future. For free info about GED test prep classes, call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or visit yourged.org. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education, brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the gangster rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. The more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN.
90.7 WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley here, all by myself right now. We've been talking about the Patriots game against the Lions. Basically, the whole show now. We're going to be moving on to uh, the future a little bit here. Maybe go a little around the NFL before I get to the Red Sox, which I really haven't been talking about a lot lately, which is weird because a lot's happened with that team in the last couple of weeks. I've just kind of, eh, these things happen. Anywho, we're moving on. And if you want to talk about any of these things, don't be afraid to call in 401-456-9946, 401-456-8787. Or, once again, stop by the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. Go to the Mike Kane Memorial live stream. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your secrets, your opinions on me, your opinions on sports, anything really. With that out of the way, though, did I not think we were going to be at a point... <laughs> Week four, where the week four matchup against the Dolphins in New England, in New England, was going to be a game I'd look at and go, yeah, yeah. I might be in a little bit of trouble here. But yes, the Dolphins, who I, who I famously, famously dismissed last year before they got just, just crushed by the Dolphins and Jay Cutler. But that was in Miami, which I, I was wrong to assume that the Patriots can play in the state of Florida. Because... They can't play in the state of Florida for God knows what reason. And I don't believe the Super Bowl is in Florida this year. But is it? Is it in Orlando? No, it's not. No, wait. Yes, where's the Super Bowl going to be in 2019? Not oh, Super Bowl 15 location. Why is it? Where is the Super Bowl located this year? Oh, it's in Atlanta. All right, cool. No, not in Florida. Close to Florida, but not in Florida. Close to Florida. But I thought, you know, obviously they're going to clean up against the Dolphins at home, but I, I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to sound the panic alarm because I still think this team makes the playoffs, all that, et cetera, et cetera. But also, I'm not willing to say, well, this kind of thing happened in 2014. And they went on a little losing skid, and they went 2-2 two and two in September, and they looked bad, and they were fine. I'm not willing to say that either. Because this has been different. Like, I know every time it's been different, but this offseason, the lead-up to this 2018 season was different. For one, I didn't like the roster coming into the year. I talked all offseason, but I don't like the roster for this team. They feel old. It feels like it's atrophied. It feels like they don't have enough young talent on the team. Yada, 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 yada. Doesn't feel good. Also, all the problems this team had. With Brady not showing up to OTAs. Which, you know, looks great now that he doesn't seem to be on any, any kind of level with his receivers. Mind you, they suck, but still. With Gronk demanding a contract with Gronk doing his stupid press conference, with it coming out the other day, by the way, that Gronk apparently, like, they almost completed a trade with Detroit, and Gronk basically had to vetoed it himself. To the no-trade clause, basically told me he was going to retire, or didn't tell them anything so they couldn't make the trade. With that, with Belichick, you know, giving the team days off 
counted, you know, everything that they always love to preach about. All that. Different offseason for the Patriots. You can't deny that. And a lot of people said, oh, they're trying to make a story. None of this will matter when the regular season comes along. And I'm not saying it matters. I'm not saying that these things are the reason why they're not doing well. But you can't ignore them. Even if you could ignore them then. Like, th- that was a different sort of offseason. And now the team is playing a different sort of way. This doesn't. L- this hasn't looked like your normal Patriots team. Even your normal underperforming September Patriots team. This still hasn't looked like that. They've looked dead. They've looked unenthused. They, look like they don't buy in. And I said it like to Job and to whomever, like, yeah, listen, like if they go off to a really hot start to the year and they look great and they're winning these games and they look enthused and Brady's yucking the ball everywhere. Fine, like, fine. This has all been a story. It's been dumb to talk. It's been dumb to talk about. I got annoyed talking about it. You know, fine. I don't think it's the media trying to make a story. Like they have to, these things are different. They acknowledge it, but fine. People have been thinking they're going to make too big of an impact. We've all been wrong. Fine. The Patriots are fine. But the inverse of that promise means that when the team's struggling and they don't look bad, I mean, they look bad. (laughs) Yeah, they don't, they don't not look bad, bad. I can't sit here and just not at least acknowledge that stuff or I can but then I'd feel like I wasn't doing my best. And I try to do my best when I'm making my takes. So. Hey, what do you want me to tell you? They didn't feel like they put in as much. They didn't feel like they put in as much effort this offseason. Brady, Gronk, even Belichick. Felt like there was a lot of infighting. Felt like the team wasn't. The players weren't enthusiastic about being there. I thought the roster was old. And now all the draft picks are gone and people don't think they're putting in 100%. I'm just supposed to go, ah, those things probably aren't related at all. It's nothing, though. This could be fine. Like, no, and this isn't like 2014. Because 2014, Brady was buying in. Brady was at every single second of offseason activities. It was every day. Maybe that probably had to do with Garoppolo. It did have to do with Garoppolo. The team also had added talent. I liked that team going into that year. I like that they added Darrell Reeves. I like that they added Brandon Browner. Not as much, but I like Brandon Browner. Like that, like that team had talent. There were parts of that it felt like part it felt like parts of that team were underperforming when they went in that slide in 2014. And I still think the 2014 is the best Patriots team of the last couple of years, which I know is very unpopular. But I love that 2014 team. The difference is it felt like parts of that team, you're like, okay, why are these guys underperforming? Why is the O-line? underperforming why are the d-backs who are supposedly good why are they underperforming why is the defense as a whole underperforming why is brady underperforming because they had the talent this year i'm looking at it going oh look i thought the wide receivers were gonna suck and they suck i thought the linebackers were gonna suck and look they suck like it's different the things none of the things that are happening now i guess None of the individual issues this team is having are surprising, and that's a problem. It's surprising that they're all happening at once, sure. That every single thing you could be concerned about is going wrong. Yeah, that feels that surprising. But yeah, like, like I dare you to bring up an issue this team's been having the last couple of weeks and tell me it's a complete shock to you. What, are you surprised that Chris Hogan can't be a number one receiver? 
Are you surprised that, once again, Brady doesn't look as sharp after putting in less work this offseason than he has any year the past four or five years? Whether or not you think he has the right to, are you surprised that the players maybe aren't responding to Belichick as well after he benched Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl? And some of these guys might feel like he's robbed them of a Super Bowl ring? Like, what do you... Like, it's just, what, what what's surprising? Like, what's truly, truly a shock that's happening with this team? And that's the issue. Nothing is. Nothing is an absolute shock. The only shock is the volume of things that all went wrong. And even then, you have to, when you're listing a bunch of things that can go wrong, you can't be shocked that they all go wrong. So... Yeah, that's why this feels different. And once again, I'm not saying the sky is falling. I'm not saying the Patriots are going to suck forever. They're going to suck all this year. But yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm just not shocked. And I hate to feel that way about this team. But that's just the way. Just the way things are. And hopefully they look better against the Dolphins. Like the Dolphins are, th- but the Dolphins are three and zero. Like if they lose this game to the Dolphins and the Dolphins are four and zero and the Patriots are one and three, like now they might just be in that. Now they'll be in an actual divisional race, which I don't, I don't like this Dolphins team. I I don't get it. This Dolphins team has felt like they've been playing like crap all year. And they've just kind of stumbled to three and zero, but whether or not they stumbled to it, like they're three and zero. And the Patriots couldn't beat the Lions, who were 0-2. So I, ah, what do you want me to tell you? Like, I, I, I'm not going to harp on the Lions too much. I mean the Lions. The Dolphins. I'll harp on the Lions because they suck and they still beat the Patriots. But I can't harp on the Dolphins that much. So. I don't know. I want to feel good about that game. And in my heart of hearts, I do. But I thought the Patriots were going to respond last week. And they didn't. And if they don't respond now, even if they win, but it's close, or they still feel flat, and they win more because the Dolphins are stupid, and they're at, and the Patriots are at home, then I'm yeah, I'm gonna have some real questions with them. Like then it's a matter of like, is this team buying in? Do they care? Do not just the principal players Brady Gronk care, but like has just kind of this aura that's seemingly been around this team. All offseason, has that really sunk in? Is that what this team's become? And that's going to be a problem. And let's let's hope that's not the case, because I want the team to do well, obviously, but we'll have to see. Anyway, you were listening, oh, well, you've been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. Like I said, cutting a little short today. A little uh, brief episode. Got to go film a uh, some kind of protest or something. So that's going to be an exciting day. Going to be the cinematographer rage once again. Bringing that trick out of my hat. So we'll be back next week, 4 to 6 p.m. Full show. I promise you. We'll be, hopefully we'll have some nicer things to talk about the Patriots. Maybe we'll finally touch in the Red Sox. Playoffs are going to be starting. I'll touch on playoffs, on playoff baseball. And maybe we'll get more Creed 2 news. Who knows? But like I said. I'm Jake Helmsley. You've been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Helmsley. Be back next week, Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m. Here on the Mike Game Memorial Live stream on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. This episode, like all my episodes, will be uploaded to the to my SoundCloud page. So 
Go rewatch that. Go listen to this to this nugget of an episode. And have a lovely week.